Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Picture an old brick building. It is tucked away behind the train station in Wilmington, Delaware. It used to be a bank, with tall brick walls and fancy stone columns right by the door. Inside, it is a maze of hallways and rooms that used to be full of bankers and money. On a warm January day earlier this year, I visited this old bank. There were no bankers in sight. Instead, there was a room full of model uteruses and vaginas. They all had names. I ended up meeting Joan. This is Joan. This is our new friend, Joan. Joan is a pelvic stimulator, which, um... Stimulator? That's stimulator. Joan is a plastic replica of a vagina and entire cervical system, plus a whole bunch of sensors and electronic equipment. And I'm going to try and insert an IUD. Welcome to The Impact, a show about the way policy affects real people's lives from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We wanted to meet Joan because she is part of a much bigger effort— an effort to train clinicians to give women long-acting reversible contraceptives, like IUDs or implants. The use of this type of birth control has increased 6,000% since 2002. That is right, 6,000%. It is just a staggering change. And it is the result of specific policy choices made here in Washington and out in state houses. Those policies have reduced the teen pregnancy rate. They have cut the abortion rate. But they are also under attack right now. Today on The Impact, we are going to tell you about those policy choices, how they came to be, how they're helping women access birth control, and why, at this very moment, they are facing serious threats. To understand why these programs exist in the first place, you need to understand some basic facts about birth control, why some types work way better than others. Well, I've had one boyfriend still with him today. We talked to a young woman named Krista, whose story illustrates this idea really well. Her mom doesn't actually know that she's using birth control, so we're not going to use her last name. But she's 20, she's in college, she lives with her parents in the Delaware suburbs. We met her there. 
I work full time. I go to school full time. I what? Hi. You say hi. 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 What's wrong? Okay, go Krista's two younger sisters were home from school that day. One of them was sick with a fever. Apparently it's 100 and some degrees. They would never know. <laughs> Krista doesn't have classes this morning, so she's looking after her sisters. Go play. She helps out with her siblings a lot. It has taught her how hard it is to take care of kids. And it's even made her rethink her own future. As a kid, you know, you have this mindset of, oh, I'm going to be married by 23, I'm going to have kids by 25. And it's kind of just like, no, I'm not doing that. That's absolutely insane. I'm not doing that. Like Instead, Krista is focusing on school and her career. Her plan is to get a degree in fashion and to minor in business. Parenthood, that can come later. Except two years ago, she started having sex with her boyfriend. And we were using, like, the standard protection. We used condoms. And it was like, okay, yeah, it's working. But, you know, I'm no fool. Condoms are not foolproof. Anything could happen. So Krista started taking birth control pills, which was fine for a few years until last winter, right around the end of the semester. I'd be at work like, oh, shoot, I forgot to take my pill. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. When I get a break, I'm going to walk outside real quick. When, you know, no customers are here, get rushed. And then it's 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to take it again. I couldn't sleep because I was so bugged by the situation. I don't believe in abortions. Krista didn't want to leave things to chance anymore. So she went into a local clinic for a new kind of birth control. One that's really efficient, that doesn't depend on you, because, you know, people are not perfect at all. When patients come in and they want to talk about birth control with me, I usually give them a rundown in terms of efficacy, because that, to me, is the most important question. This is Jennifer Conti. She talks to so many women about birth control at her clinic at Stanford University. She says that far and away, the most effective form of birth control is something called a LARC. This is not a bird. It is a kind of terrible acronym for long-acting reversible contraceptive. You put them in once and they will last for years. You're removing the user error. You're taking out the possibility of someone forgetting to take their method or using it incorrectly because it's out of sight and out of mind. There are two types of birth control that count as LARCs. First, you have implants, and then you also have intrauterine devices, or IUDs. Krista decided to get an implant. It's this small thing that goes in your arm, maybe an inch or so long and really skinny, about the width of a spaghetti noodle or so. It's like a little flexible bar, and you can actually feel it being flexible in your arm, like if you push your skin in. And then over three years, it slowly releases a hormone that helps to stop the ovaries from releasing an egg, which would eventually get you pregnant. I touch it just to reassure myself it's still there, just to be like, you know, nothing crazy happens. A few years ago, Krista might not have been able to even get an implant. They are expensive, like $500 expensive. And clinicians need specialized training to insert this spaghetti noodle device into the arm. That training costs money, too. But lucky for Krista, some new laws passed. It really started with this one particular policy that, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know a lot about. The Affordable Care Act passed both houses of Congress. I signed it into law. 
The Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, included this requirement that all women have access to preventive health benefits for free. But that left the Obama administration with a question, what is a preventive health benefit? They did some research and they decided birth control definitely counts. We decided to follow the judgment of the nation's leading medical experts and make sure that free preventive care includes access to free contraceptive care. So all of a sudden, larks become really affordable. Unfortunately, doctors and nurses didn't always know how to put them in, how to get them in your arm or your uterus. You want to be pretty careful with those parts of the body. And clinics didn't always have the time or the money to train their staff to do it. One state took the lead here. Colorado had actually been working on this issue for a while, even before Obamacare became law. A private donor essentially did for the state what Obamacare later did for the entire country. It made Larks affordable. Then, a nonprofit started giving clinics all across the state the training that they needed. Those trainings, combined with the affordable Larks, they had really impressive results. The results? A dramatic drop in teen pregnancy, down 40% since the state program started in 2009. Colorado's abortion rate also down more than 40%. That was just unprecedented, never heard of. This is Susan Buchanan. She runs a reproductive health clinic in Boulder, Colorado. Her staff got trained through the program, and they have seen a huge drop in unintended pregnancies. We've actually had to kind of rethink how we can maintain our patient numbers because a lot of them don't have to come back for three to five years. It's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. And all of this game changing in Colorado, it actually inspired the creation of a brand new national nonprofit. It's called Upstream. The people who founded it, they looked at what was happening in Colorado and said, this is fantastic. We should take this national. They decided to start with one state, somewhere small with a high unintended pregnancy rate. And that is how Upstream ended up in Delaware. We're doing work here in Delaware and also around the country to reduce unintended pregnancy by increasing access to contraception, particularly the most effective forms, the IUDs and implants. Venus Jones works for Upstream, and she is delivering this speech in that refurbished bank building we told you about at the very start of this episode. She is standing in front of this group of maybe two dozen people who work at the birth center, a Delaware clinic that delivers babies and provides birth control. And we all know that unintended pregnancy has far-reaching consequences, right? After this introductory session in the morning, the doctors and nurses get pulled into a separate room, the room with the mechanical vaginas. This is Joan. This is my new friend, Joan. And that is how I met Joan, the robotic pelvis. The upstream instructor that day was helping me get acquainted with all of these tools inserted inside her the tools I would need to insert an IUD. It's like a clamp on the end, and that is holding on to the cervix. The cervix. Right. Gently. Gently. Gently insert a uterine sound to check the patency of the cervix. I can't get it in. Oh. So Joan. <laughs> Every time I did something wrong, poor Joan would just groan in pain. Oh, I did it. Oh. <gasps> 
Okay, for the record, Kim is horrified at what I've just done to this cervix. It is really hard for me to insert IUDs. And obviously, I am a reporter, not a doctor. The people who are actually being trained have way more medical background than I do. Still, it is so much better for them to practice on a robot named Joan than, you know, like a real live patient named Joan. But Upstream's training doesn't just focus on the clinicians. Everybody on staff gets trained. That includes front desk people, assistants, people like Jasmine Williams. She is a 23-year-old med tech and a young mom herself. I got pregnant two months after I graduated high school. Um, It was not planned. (laughs) A big part of Jasmine's job is connecting with her patients and giving them accurate information. That's where the upstream training comes in, making sure that Jasmine is well-informed. In the Q&A, she had a lot of questions about the implant. I've seen on the internet how some people, they said, like, it'll get pushed further back, like, they'll have a bruise. Like, how does that happen? Like, would would they still take it out the same way? Does that mean... If Jasmine is reading stuff on the internet about implants getting dislodged and wandering around, she could pass that misinformation on to her patients. They might decide against an implant as a result. That is why it is so important that the upstream staff can clarify these issues for her. You know, that's a myth that it's like traveling around my arm and I don't know where it is and it's going to cause some kind of infection. You know, so so being able to explain that to our patients, you know, and giving them the medically accurate information will help kind of dispel those myths, hopefully. Right now, upstream fills a knowledge gap. Clinicians didn't always know how to insert implants. Their staff didn't always know how the devices worked. Remember Krista, that college student we met earlier? She got her implant at a Delaware clinic that was trained by Upstream. All of this work is built on a policy foundation. Policies at the federal and state level, things like Obamacare, they are what make IUDs and implants affordable. But those policies are currently under siege. After the break, we will look at the shaky future of free birth control in America. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to The Impact. Before the break, we told you about a national nonprofit called Upstream. For the past few years, they have been training clinicians in Delaware to insert IUDs and implants. The hope is that the training will have big results, 
results that look similar to the earlier effort in Colorado. Big drops in teen pregnancy and big declines in the abortion rate. Upstream is talking to other states right now that want to do the exact same type of program. They are really thinking about the future. Tonight at 10, the future of health care. What's next? We don't know what's going to happen on health care. Funding for reproductive health care is a major concern. This year, funding for birth control, for larks in particular, has been under siege. The future is incredibly uncertain. And the work that Upstream does, it depends on a lot of federal and state policies that Republicans are working to dismantle. I'd like to talk to you about Title X family planning. This is Nita Lowy. She's a Democratic congresswoman from New York, and she is questioning Tom Price. He served as Health and Human Services Secretary for most of this year, until he stepped down for this private plane scandal that you might have heard about. But in this conversation, Price is still in office, and Lowy is asking him about things that are still up in the air today, things like Title X. As you know, Title X funded health care providers serve more than 4 million low-income women and men every year, offering contraceptive counseling and services screening. Title X is a federal program that gets around $300 million every year. It sends that money out across the country to help low-income women get birth control. A lot of those Delaware clinics being trained by Upstream, they rely on Title X to get birth control to women without health insurance. Mr. Secretary, does your FY 2018 budget maintain funding for the Title X family planning program? These areas are really important because oftentimes, as you mentioned, it's the, in, an individual's only line of opportunity to gain access to the kind of care that they need. This exchange goes on for a while, but essentially, Secretary Price, he doesn't answer the question. And Representative Lowy, she keeps pushing him on it. So is funding for Title X providers included in your budget? Well, the the, the ongoing conversations, and I appreciate your input and look forward to having those conversations. I'm not sure I got an answer to this question. Representative Lowy definitely did not get an answer to her question. But we generally know how Republicans feel about Title X. It has been the ball in a game of policy ping pong that Congress has been playing for years. It kind of starts in 2011, when Title X was part of a really big budget fight. Among the proposed trims, the federal family planning program known as Title X. President Obama vetoed that bill. But in April of this year... President Donald Trump signed a bill that could encourage states to withhold federal money from Planned Parenthood. And then this summer... Republicans eliminated Title X funding from their budget altogether. But then the Senate floated a different budget, one that kept Title X funding steady. Title X is constantly in danger and out of danger and back in danger again. And let's say it did disappear. That would make it a lot harder for 4 million women to get birth control. And if they can't afford birth control, it doesn't really matter if Upstream has trained all these Delaware clinics to provide it. Title X is not the only program that is up in the air. Remember the birth control mandate we talked about earlier? The Obamacare regulation that requires insurance companies to cover birth control? Representative Lowy also wanted to know about its future. Are women going to have to return to paying out-of-pocket for contraceptive? 
this is, again, one of those areas where we believe that individuals ought to have access to the kind of coverage that they want, not that the government forces them to buy. This was another long exchange and another non-answer. But in September, the Trump administration made its views very, very clear. The Trump administration has rolled back Obamacare's birth control coverage mandate, allowing more businesses and groups to become exempt from providing coverage for birth control. Under the new rule, expected to be issued today, hundreds of thousands of women could lose free birth control benefits. I cover a lot of federal rules, and Trump wrote these ones in an unusual way. They took effect immediately. Reproductive health groups are really worried right now that the cost of birth control could go up. Long story short, the future of birth control is really uncertain at the federal level. So we thought we'd go back to Colorado to see how their program turned out. Remember, they created that birth control program that led to the founding of Upstream. They were national trailblazers in policy with all these amazing results. A dramatic drop in teen pregnancy, down 40% since the state program started in 2009. Colorado's abortion rate also down. The program won all these national awards in 2014. But a year later... A Colorado birth control program is losing its funding, despite a remarkable track record. A program like this that pays for birth control, it courts controversy. Republicans in Colorado blocked the birth control program's funding. We have an obligation to not intentionally stop life from existing, even if it's just in the first few days of existence. This is Colorado State Senator Kevin Lundberg. He is a Republican who has worked to end the birth control program. He says that he can't be sure IUDs aren't causing abortions. If you choose an abortifacient at the bare minimum, it should not be at the expense of the Colorado taxpayer. Abortifacient. That is a word generally used by people who oppose abortion to talk about different things that they believe would cause a pregnancy to terminate. Jennifer Conti, the Stanford professor, she helped us understand what he meant. It has to do with the science behind how IUDs work. For example, there is the hormonal IUD. It makes like a plug. It plugs the cervix up so that the sperm can't get in as well and meet the egg. Then there is also the copper IUD. Something with the copper in the IUD makes it so the sperm can't swim as well. In both cases, all the research we have says it is very probable that the sperm isn't reaching the egg or fertilizing it. That's a good way to say it. It is very probably how this works. But very probably is not good enough for Senator Lundberg out in Colorado. He is an adamant abortion opponent, and he is worried there is still a chance that a sperm could get to the egg and fertilize it. Senator Lumberg argues that in that case, it is possible an IUD could prevent a fertilized egg from implanting on the uterine lining and growing into a baby. I haven't seen the evidence to the contrary yet. If somebody can send me a study that gives me 100% surety, then I'm, I'm very happy to change my mind. The problem with anything in medicine is that you can't say 100% because that's just how science is, right? You think a certain thing, you believe a certain way until you're proven wrong through, through new studies. So there is basically no way to give Senator Lundberg the evidence that he wants. Legally, 
preventing a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterus is not an abortion. But that is where Senator Lundberg draws his personal line. So he has worked for years now to end the Colorado program. I know I have a lot more opportunity to have some effect being on this Joint Budget Committee. Lundberg has had some victories. Colorado actually did cut off the program's funding in 2015. That left the state health department scrambling to find private donors to fill the gap. Then in 2016, the program's funding came back. If we are trying to read Colorado as a predictor of our federal future, then we should expect more of this policy ping pong. More controversy, more attempts to cut the policies that make birth control affordable and accessible. Krista, that college student from Delaware, she thinks a lot about what life would look like without her implant. So my mom got married at 17 years old, never used birth control one time in her life, had four kids, you know, happy family, happy life, things like that. And it worked out for her. But that's not everybody's path, like, you know? And I believe, like, God pisses on our path. Krista considers herself a devoted Christian. She was raised in a pretty conservative Christian household. But she is not going to stop having sex with her boyfriend. I understand why it's a contradiction, you know. I understand how the Bible speaks against it and things like that. But at the same time, like, I understand our human side. For her, the implant is a key way to maintain her religious beliefs. I would feel so much worse if I ever had to sit and be like, oh my God, I'm going to have to get an abortion. Like, that is a crazy thought to me. There are a lot of young women across the country just like Krista. They're in high school or college or recent graduates. And they have plans that don't involve babies right now. If the birth control programs in Delaware, Colorado, or the federal ones lose funding, it'll be a lot harder for women to take control of their future. We know that these programs reduce teen pregnancy. We know that they reduce the abortion rate. We just don't know how much longer they'll stick around. Thank you for listening to The Impact. Our producer is Bird Pinkerton. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. And our editor is Amy Drozdowska. We had engineering and mixing help from Peter Leonard and Pedro Alvira. Our theme music is by Miles Ewell. We had music in this episode from Kevin McLeod and Poddington Bear. Our social media is managed by Julie Bogan, and The Impact was co-created by myself, Sarah Cliff, and Liz Sheltons. If you enjoy The Impact, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have feedback you want us to know about, send us an email at impactadvox.com. Tell us what you think. That's impactadvox.com. Next time on The Impact, a problem we've been trying to solve since the days of President Kennedy. I believe that the abandonment of the mentally ill and the mentally retarded to the grim mercy of custodial institutions too often inflicts on them and their families a needless cruelty. More than 50 years later, we're still asking, how do we care for people with severe mental illness? We'll meet a judge who believes she has the solution treatment outside the hospital enforced by the courts. 
people who present to courts are in a moment in time where we can positively and quote-unquote therapeutically affect a change in their life. But some doctors have serious doubts. I don't think that we've figured it out yet in a way that merits the harm, which is to rob someone of individual rights. That's next week on The Impact.